This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This A's Cast download is brought to you by Link Soul. Go to LinkSoul.com and by Nest Bedding. Love where you sleep. Go to NestBedding.com. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And the pitch is swung on, hit the right field, hit deep. Whitefield going back at the track over his head and over the wall. Do you believe that? And 29 other MLB clubs. Ramirez with a drive to deep right, away, back, goal! Go hey! It's a bomb out there by the Rocks. And boy, oh boy, this third inning is now showtime. It is a judgy in blast. All rise. Here comes the judge. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From humidors to spin rates to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Happy Friday, everybody. The final Friday of the 2023 season. We made it. It's been a rough one, but we made it. We have so much to talk about today. It's unbelievable. The Giants have fired Gabe Kapler. I've got all these playoff scenarios working out. All the people that were... Dogging Rob Manfred in baseball about making changes. Kind of hard right now with the way this thing's finishing up. Games are faster. Pace is way better. Stolen base percentage is at an all-time high. And now at the very end, look how many towns are in it for the playoff hunt. Excitement in baseball. Because there was no excitement, everybody's just watching football. They may be watching football anyway. Because the next, I saw on, somewhere I saw it, the next 54 out of 55 days, there is going to be either college or pro football. Correct. I saw that too. So you're not wrong. So having playoff baseball coming down to the end definitely helps. How are you, Cody, on this Friday? Uh, Great. Uh, You're right. We made it. We're at the end of the season. Uh, We got three games left against the Hated Angels. I mean, it's a oh. big rivalry in my household with my wife and her rally, rally monkey. Rally monkey's out, baby. The rally monkey is out. Might be the last time we are able to use this Shohei uh, Otani one Kenobi bobblehead. You might not be an angel anymore. Uh, but other than that, everything's great, um, unless you're a Giants fan. I'm going to put it out on the curb and tell anybody whoever wants it just takes it. Well, I mean. Just take it. I mean, I kind of want to take it back home. But, no, no, no. You know. Just going to throw it out there and break it and let somebody take it and glue it back together. It's worthless. Absolutely worthless. We have a lot to get into today. Now, before I get into all of that, Kapler, baseball playoffs, final series for the A's. Last night, I got to host a private event with our great sales team and Comerica Bank. 
And it was really cool. We were in the visiting clubhouse. Uh, Mikey Feldblum, who's been the clubhouse manager and the visiting clubhouse manager since 93. We're going to get him on the show. He's got stories. Because remember, the visiting clubhouse is also where all the uh, opposing NFL teams played when they took on the Raiders. So he can give you, oh, Brett Favre this. I mean, he can talk to everybody, right? Tom Brady, he can talk to everybody. He's got a story about sleeping because he sleeps in there because he's worried about the security because it's all the opposing team stuff. He's got a story about the doors opening in the middle of the night and he gets up in his underwear and there's Al Davis and like three guys. It's right before the Raiders move back. <laughs> you imagine waking up in the middle of the night, you're in your underwear, lights are suddenly turning on and there's Al Davis and you're not thinking, what nightmare am I in right now? <laughs> Anytime you can have a story, I'm in my underwear and Al Davis appeared. But anyway, this event was great. Jason Giambi, A's Hall of Famer Jason Giambi was a part of this. And it was really cool. And I learned last night at this event, and the reason why I'm even bringing it up, I learned who the A's Hall of Fame class is for next year. I can't tell you yet. I went to see if we announced it yet. I think we're going to announce it pretty soon. You're going to love it. Are you going in? Am I going into the Ace Hall of Fame? So you didn't make it this year. I should go in for everything I got to do. Where were you last night? Watching Lions Packers. Oh, it must be nice. Did you? Where were you yesterday? What do you mean? Yesterday, what were you doing? Post game on the radio. Oh, the from cast. your house. Well, I got, I got to drive <laughs> to San Francisco. Then I got to go up and host this event. They just made, I work all day long. Yeah, why am I not going into the Hall of Fame? Hey, I tried getting you in. You got all these YouTube experts who supposedly got all this information. Where are they? Are they working? Yeah, who's working? I'm working all day. Was Jessica working? No. Delaire? No. Ray? No. Where were all you guys? Drinking beer, watching football. That's where you guys were. Or you probably. What were you drinking? Beer. Were you drinking beer? I was drinking beer. I didn't know if you'd be white claw. Actually, no, it's it's Oktoberfest season, so that's why I was drinking. Are you back into beer now? I have been, but I'll go back to wine, and we're going wine tasting next weekend, so I'll go back into wine. So do you start getting into the um, heavier type of alcohol as you head into the fall? (laughs) Like uh, you, you come out of the light where you're going seltzers and I'll go into I'll go into the uh, IPA state which I already still am but it'll go into the Oktoberfest they're lighter right now and you know once that ends it'll go into the uh, IPAs and you know Christmas time lagers and all that stuff more so wine I I do my I start changing coffees well coffee well I don't drink co- I do my I, guy I, Emmett Foley's got me that special uh, coffee right now it's out of Oakland, I should have. I got the bag of the name of it. It's delicious. That's the stuff he always makes for you at the Coliseum. Oh yeah, it's like it's like crack. I mean, it's like you can drink this stuff all day long. The only problem is you're walking around like this the whole entire day. But it's great. Obviously, none of you care about that. But I just want to tell you, you are going to be ecstatic with this Hall of Fame class. This is going to be a Hall of Fame class that. I think for a lot of our younger fans, I think fans my age and fans your age 
this is going to be a Hall of Fame class you're absolutely going to love. It was paramount that you had to get the 70s guys in, right? You had to get them in. And then you had to get Stu in. You had to, maybe we got Carney in. We got Eck, obviously the Hall of Famers. This is going to be a class that I think you're going to, I think generations are really going to love this class and resonate with this class, certain guys. I was shocked by one, and that's as far as I'm going to go. I just want you to know, I don't know if it's today. I keep checking the email. It hasn't been announced yet. I can just say this weekend, when this Hall of Fame class for 2024 comes out, you're going to be fired up. You're going to be so stoked. Like you're stoked about the pitching matchups? You're going to be stoked. So so you're telling me it's not Billy Butler, Danny Valencia, like shock level or – uh, no, that would probably be the most shocking. <laughs> Billy Butler. Yes, we got a great. It's Derek Barton, Danny Valencia. Oh, yeah. Jim Johnson. Sweet. Trevor Rosenthal. Well, huh? he, he actually never appeared in a game. He, was, he got the money. That's true, yeah. He was an employee. Can you just imagine? Anybody who is DFA'd, come on down. You are now in the A's Hall of Fame. Now, it is going to be good. Not a shocker for me across the bay today. I don't know. You know, I, I, I hate to lead Giants. Uh, obviously, the A's wrapping up here in Anaheim. Want to see them just basically. You know what? I will lead with this. The Angels are a turd. And you know what you need to do? You need to kick this dog while it's down. Just absolutely walk up and kick it and kick it and kick it. They are a dumpster fire. Last year when the A's took on the Angels at the very end of the year, we were using a record number of players at 64. What are we at now? I'd have to look. <laughs> Let's take a look. Hold we're on. not at 64. Well, we're, we're at 42 pitchers. I know that. So, just got to add in how many. Let's see. Got the play. Got the list right here. We are at... 62. Not there yet. So last year we were at 64 and the Angels were at 65 because I was I was shocked, right? I was like, knowing how rough our year was, that all of a sudden the Angels had used more players. Don't worry about that, folks. They broke their record this year. They've now used 66 players. Do you know who the all-time leader is? Players used? The all-time leader in players used in Major League Baseball history. It's sniffing a football team. Um, that's what? Football's 90, right? Well, 53, well, you, man. But you, you what, do you dress 58? So, yeah. But yeah, there's 80-something guys. No, 93 on the roster. Is it 90 like college football? Uh, yeah, college I'm, football's endless, the I'm, amount of people you can have. So two teams I'm thinking of, the Giants or the White Sox? Is it one of them? No. Okay. How many official people? I forgot. And it might have changed. Isn't, I thought, isn't college football 90? Well, the scholarships, but you got players who are not. It's 50, there's 53 guys that can that I think are officially on the NFL roster. Check this. But yeah, it's 53, can, yeah. But you can only – I don't think you dress 53. So teams dress 85 players for home games, 65 for away games in college football is what this is saying. 85 guys? Yeah. Can you imagine 
non-conference home games. How do the coaches know everybody's name? Let's say in the SEC, teams can dress 85 players for home games, 65 for away games. Non-conference home games, so when Alabama goes to play the Citadel, they can dress 105 players. 105 players? The NCAA maximum. How do you have How do you have a locker room bigger, big enough for 105 players? You're telling me Saban doesn't have a big enough locker room? I'm saying the Citadel doesn't have a big no. enough locker room. If Nick Saban ever has to travel somewhere, <laughs> his gutless ass never does. Yeah, they but don't if, leave the South. Are you kidding if, me? But if he has to travel, hey, 105. You got 105 guys? All right. So kick this dog while it's down. We're going to go over uh, Mark Langston, the great San Jose State Spartans, going to join us in moments. They, 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 you know, what's going on with Trout? What's going on with Otani? We'll get into all of that. But the whole Gabe Kapler thing, I can guarantee you this. I do not have any sources. I have not researched it. It just came down like two hours ago. And we've been taping Langston. And so we got Langston at 415, Roxy Bernstein at 430, the great Marty Lurie at 5, and Mark Kotze at 530. We were taping interviews. Kapler got fired. I've had no time to reach out to anybody, so I'm not saying I have knowledge to this. No sources. But I'm going to tell you how it went down. Are you ready? Please. Farhan goes on KMBR 680 yesterday. The flagship station for the San Francisco Giants. And Farhan is not committing to anything. Farhan's talking about we need to evaluate in the offseason. Evaluate right? everything. Every, yeah, th- thanks, Farhan. Oh, really? Uh, the San Francisco Giants were a season-high 13 games over 500 on July 18th, 54 and 41. 13 games over 500, 54 and 41. Then they stink, 24 and 40. Fifth worst record in MLB, scoring an MLB low 220 runs. That's 3.4 runs per game. Slashing, you wait, you ready for this? Slashing, batting average 322. On base 299, not even 300. And a slug of 356. My quick San Jose State math says that's an OPS of only 655. That's awful. That's 40% of your season you have a sub-300 on-base percentage. You kidding me? What are you, so, what are you I'm, doing? I'm typing up so people know about the ticker for Kapler. Um, that's awful. It's every, I mean, everything it's about awful. Them, everything about them has been bad. Remember Farhan early when before the season started? We have three guys that could potentially hit 30 home runs. You have one guy that has 20. So – Oh, yeah, I remember when I hosted the Santa Clara Baseball Banquet. Mitch Hanniger was there. Jock Peterson was there. They were all fired up. All right, here's what happened. And I have no sources, but I'm just going to tell you how it happens. So all of a sudden, Farhan and Kapler, they're boys, right? They're in this thing together. He goes on the radio station and is not – not saying, oh, yeah, we're back next year. We're tackling this thing. We're going to get it right, blah, 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 whatever that speech would be uh, when you're doing radio. When you're non committal and you go, I specifically ask you 
Did they spe- was it specifically asked about Kapler? Is that how this thing went down? I'm not. I think they asked him about Kapler's status, and he went, "We need to evaluate everything. We are not committing to anybody. We need to evaluate everything." And he probably, did, I have. I think we all just have to look at how we can improve across the board. I mean, you talk about weak sauce. Farhan, you want to talk about jellyfish. Can you imagine this as a leader? Hey, your manager, the guy who leads your franchise, he come back next year? I think we all need to look at how we can improve across the board. We really, we're really going to have to ask ourselves if we're prepared to sort of evaluate our level of focus and play for those games. Talk about the crucial September games. I mean, so I guarantee here's what happened. It gets back to Kapler. Hey, your boy upstairs was on the radio, and he wasn't committing to you in the offseason. So Gabe Kapler, whether it's by phone, whether it's by meeting this morning, I, I would guarantee, may come down, I'm wrong, I would guarantee Gabe Kapler went directly to Farhan by phone, by meeting, face-to-face, and went, what the blank? Let's have this discussion right now. And if I'm not the guy, get rid of me now. And so that decision was made today with three games left. I guarantee it. It was even on the phone last night. Could have been after the game. Wait a minute, they were they were off yesterday, right? Correct. And yeah. They're at Dodgers. Where they at, they at home or Dodger Stadium? Uh, they're at home. <clears throat> they're at home. So it's an off day. This would have been an afternoon drive. So this conversation went down last night or this morning. I guarantee you, Kapler, knowing how Kapler is, I don't blame him either. He walked in. Am I the guy or not? If I'm not the guy, get rid of me now. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to do dead man walking three games this weekend. I got pride. They haven't fired a guy in season since Jimmy Davenport in 1985. Correct. Wow. Uh, Susan Slusser reported our our old friend uh, from the Chronicle, Kai Correa, is going to manage the team for the last three games. Now, remember, they have like 48 coaches on their Who? staff. Uh, he's the he's the uh, I want to say he's the bench coach. He's the guy the the guy with the glasses. Kapler's always there with the glasses on, then Kai Correa has the glasses as they well. They got so many guys, how do you tell? Yeah, so they, well, I think they have 15 coaches, uh, you know, dress on staff, something like that for a game. 15 coaches to hit since July 18th to hit 222 and have a 655 OPS and a 299 on base percentage. I thought all these coaches, they work with certain players, certain players gravitate to certain coaches. This is the new. This is the new. We're, we're, we're smarter than everybody else. Right? Our data, our formulas, our process. We're smarter than everybody else. We manage the game. We play the game pitch by pitch, inning by inning. We focus everything on today. I thought that was this, this, this. We're playing. I always love this. We're playing chess, not checkers. I thought they were the smartest guy in the room. 107 wins a few years ago. That's all we kept hearing, 107 wins, and now they're going to be under 500 in the, over the next two. You know what Confucius said about being the smartest guy in the room, right? Um, no, but I'm sure you know. 
if you're the smartest person in the room, then you are in the wrong room. That, that, that probably hits hard. It's all right. You can grow, my friend. You can be wrong. There are times you're not going to be right. It's okay. It's okay. You don't always have to be right. Hey, I'm, I'm just. <clears throat> hey, fingers crossed. Mariners get in. That's all I think. It's all I need. Oh my all god. All I need. Oh my god. JP Crawford saved your behind yesterday. Uh, well, apparently, according to Scott Service, he's the team's MVP. So, so, so Johnny D owes me a steak dinner. You're about to owe me a Mexican dinner. Mexican and, food dinner. And you, you might owe Bitter Bill a steak dinner. <laughs> I need one win, and I'm done. We're at 49 wins. I know. I, see I need one win this weekend. Bitter Bill, I'm off the hook. No Vodesto, no steak dinner there. Bets are coming down the line, baby. All right, I'm, I am I know I'm over time, aren't I? Yeah, well, I can always text uh, Roxy and tell we're going to be a few minutes late. You want to do Roxy earlier and then get uh, – you know what? Mark Langston grew up in Santa Clara, was a great soccer player, went to San Jose State, obviously a great baseball player, Second-round pick, had an unbelievable career, and we always love having him on the program. Now does radio for the Angels. Here is the left-hander. Well, now joining us here on A's Cast Live, he's one of our all-time favorites. He grew up in Santa Clara. He's the greatest San Jose State baseball player of all time, a seven-time Gold Glove winner, four-time All-Star, three-time AL strikeout leader, the great left-hander Mark Langston joins us once again. You know we always like to bring you back home. I love it, CT. Thanks for having me on. Always love our conversations. Well, I got to tell you, with Blake Snell having a good year, I keep reading all these lists, and you keep popping up with all the strikeouts you had. How nice is it that every once in a while you're, like, reading something, they're saying, Mark Langston, you've been your name's been popping up a lot lately. Yeah, I mean, obviously that's always unreal when you kind of sit back and think about it because you have your run and it, it kind of just slides away and you move forward and then all of a sudden your name pops up. I'm seeing my, my roommate from Seattle, Alvin Davis's name pop up on our list about every night yeah. because of, of the on-base percent or on-base streak that he had to start his career at 47 games. And we have a guy, Nolan Shonowell, who's – He's in his mid-20s on that list, so he's climbing the list, but I get to see AD's name uh, on it. So it is cool when you all of a sudden you see guys that you know or, or your name pops up. Very cool. Well, you know, I, I think about, you know, your great career. Obviously, Seattle means a lot to you. you got to be real happy for everybody up there in the Pacific Northwest. Baseball's rocking once again. It is, and boy, they had a huge win last night. Uh, their season on the line, as it is tonight, uh, but that with two outs in the ninth inning to be able to deliver, because uh, that could have been a knockout blow for the Mariners last night if they lost that game. They were able to win it and keep everything rolling. Yes, with, with Seattle, when the baseball team is good up there, everything is just a completely different city. And when you go to that ballpark, just the energy in that ballpark uh, is is unreal when that team is playing well. I just a, a lot of different ways to go with the Angels right now heading into the offseason with three games left. I, you know, we, we, we'll get to Otani in a second. But just the, the talk about Mike Trout, I know how you feel about Mike Trout, what a great player he is, one of the greatest we've ever seen. We've talked about that with you. 
Uh, Mike Trout has kind of come out and said, hey, listen, I'm going to go about my business. We'll see you at spring training. I know they have a conversation after every single season. How do you think this thing's going to play out with Mike Trout and the Angels? Yeah, I, I don't. I think there was a lot more written into that, and a lot of times, I mean, Mike Trout is—he might be a little one of the more tougher interviews because he's right to the point and move on, you know. So when you ask Trout a question, I don't think he covered it as as well as as maybe people thought he should have, and that just created a little extra doubt that oh man, Mike Trout wants to leave. That's that he never said that at all. He just says, hey, I have these conversations every year after the season. I'm going to go up to the front office. We always talk about what's coming down the line, what, what's our intentions for the following season. And this this offseason is going to be no different from Mike Trout. Obviously, for the Angels, you know, this is a, it was a disaster year for them. They had such high expectations. They did so much in the offseason to fill what they needed most, and that was depth. They needed depth. They went out and acquired depth, and all of a sudden you saw the injuries. 35 guys ended up on the IL this year, including, obviously, we talked about Trout. Trout played in just 82 games this year. That, your superstar is only out there for half the season. Anthony Rendon, you can say whatever you want to say about Anthony Rendon, uh, but when he's on the field, he is a, a star player also. He plays in just 43 games this year. Uh, so that's the starting point, and obviously a lot of key pieces along the way ended up on that IL. And the Angels were trying to plug holes all season long, weren't able to do it. They were all in. Once they decided that they weren't going to trade Shohei, they, they pushed their chips all in, tried to make a run at the trading deadline. I thought the moves that they made were really good moves, again, to fill a lot of these holes. None of it worked. Didn't work. Angels have been on the tailspin ever since, since the 1st of August. They've won just 15 games of their, what was it, 37 games, 15 and 37 since the trading deadline. Yeah, I remember last year we uh, the A's ended with the Angels, and both of us had used a club record in players. Angels was 65, A's was 64. Uh, you guys have now used 66 this year. That's just a crazy amount of yeah. players. But and, and 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 I agree with you. When they went all in, I mean, we like it as fans. We want our teams to go all in. So I can't fault the Angels for that. For for Shohei Otani, kind of a two part question. Number one, uh, where is the relationship right now with Shohei Otani, and do you think there is a chance he could return to the Angels? Yeah, I mean, do I think there's a chance? Yes, this is where his comfort zone is. He chose the Angels. He could have went to any team in baseball. He chose the Angels for a reason. Uh, He does love playing here. The Angels let him do whatever he wants to do. Uh, That's a comforting thing. You know, he he has a lot of freedom here that I don't know if he'll get that with other ball clubs. But I think the thing for Shohei, with the arm injury, I think he comes back more towards the Angels now than he did had he stayed healthy the entire time. Uh, because you know, when you're looking at $600 million, there's only a couple teams, two or three teams out there that would be able to accommodate that price tag. Um, with, his, with the arm injury, I don't think he's going to see that. I could be shocked and surprised. But I think that number is going to come backwards. Now does he become more of a, of a player for the Angels? Definitely. I think the Angels uh, have a shot. Again, it's a good relationship here. Shohei can see, he sees big picture. He's been here. He understands that 
it's, it hasn't become, be, been because of the lack of effort for this ball club to win. They, put, they try to put a winner out there every year. Artie Moreno's always been committed to put, putting a winning product on the field. When you have massive injuries to your aircraft carriers, when they start going down, you're in trouble. You, you, are, you, you, you can look at almost any team and you take their two best players off. The chances of them getting to where they want to go really uh, decrease quickly. So uh, I think Shohei sees that and knows that, hey, man, with Rendon in there, with the healthy Trout, obviously with him in this lineup, Taylor Ward was such a key guy for this team that went down also. This is a very good team. So I think Shohei knows that and realizes this isn't a team in a rebuild or trying to put some pieces together and make maybe make a run three or four years from now. No, that's not going to ever be the case here with the Angels. So I think that's comforting for a player. You always want to win. Certainly that's what Shohei wants to do. Uh, there's not a player out there that doesn't put a uniform on that doesn't want that and achieve the goals that a lot of these teams are going to start with next week when postseason starts. I remember in the past we talked about, you know, you want to get the best out of him because you don't know how long he's going to be able to do this. And now with a second elbow surgery, just when you think about everything that he has to do to prepare as a pitcher, as a hitter, and to try and utilize all of his skills, what do you think the future holds for him still being a starting pitcher and an everyday guy hitting third or fourth in the lineup, probably fourth in the lineup? Yeah, it's such a demand on the body. Both of those elements are are, are – it's hard to do. And, and Shohei is a one of a kind guy. We've seen that. I, you know, I thought he would, this would always be a struggle for him trying to be committed to being one of the best in both of, of those elements. Uh, I thought it was a, a very difficult task and for him to do it the last couple of years, last three years, uh, I have been blown away. And uh, was there always a shot? There's always a shot of everybody that throws a baseball that that uh, is a possibility that you're going to have arm issues Again, coming out his uh, now his second surgery on his elbow, uh, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. And I think there's uh, just a lot of question marks for Shohei down the road here. Uh, how is this going to play out? I mean, there are guys that have come back from, you know, two Tommy John surgeries, uh, and, and a lot of them don't make it all the way back. So we'll see. I, I never put anything past a guy like Shohei just because he's been such a freak to this point. Um, but I, I would almost in my eyes, like, I don't know about the pitching side as much and offensively he's blowing me out of the water offensively, what he's been capable of doing. Uh, he is a force in the lineup. So many things could he have won the MVP alone just by hitting. Uh, maybe so if he didn't have to focus at all on the pitching element and really focused a hundred percent on the offensive side, man, uh, the sky's the limit for this guy. And obviously with his power, his ability, he's hit over 300 this year. That is, there's a very few guys that did that this year. And his ability to steal bags and, and you know, do a lot of different things from the offensive standpoint. Uh, he is an elite player just from that skill set alone. Let's end on this. The young players are coming. I mean, you think about when you got drafted out of San Jose State, uh, you were a second-round pick. You were in the minors for just a little bit. Man, you get drafted by the Angels, Shanuel. You talk about Neto. These guys are coming right <laughs> away. Uh, what is it like seeing this youth movement, literally guys right out of college? 
Yeah, I think it's a byproduct of the season the Angels had. They were in necessity of trying to uh, plug holes. Again, it, you know, Zach Neto, the shortstop, he wasn't supposed to be in the big leagues this year. He was supposed to go through his minor league season. Obviously, in- injuries at that position, certainly Gio Urshela was our opening day shortstop. He ends up having the hip injury. So a lot of these things were forced upon a lot of these young players. But with that being said, these young players, uh, they drafted a lot of these guys out of college. You know, when you have a Mike Trout, when you have a Shohei, when you have Anthony Rendon, you're kind of in, you think, a window. And they haven't, they haven't ever opened the, the uh, window door yet. But you felt like they had to have draft guys that were going to be close to the major leagues as quickly as possible and try to get them maybe into the mix as fast as they can. So that was kind of their goal, and Zach Neto has been a leader ever since he's got here. Logan Ohapi, a big trade the Angels made over last offseason. They traded a very talented player, Brandon Marsh. But Logan Ohapi looks like the real deal behind home plate, showed a lot of power uh, and a very good defensive catcher. And obviously Nolan Shonowell is a guy that uh, was using aluminum bat three months ago. So – I'm blown away at his play discipline and what he's been able to to show at this level because we both know how difficult it is at this level. It is a very difficult deal to be ready night after night. Uh, These pitchers at this level have the ability to just exploit your weaknesses night after night. And so far, these these kids have, have, I think, performed very well, and it shows, you know, very promising for the Angels as far as a lot of these young guys that – Again, I, they weren't expected to be here this year because of the circumstances. They got their shot. They got their opportunity. And we, you always know, it's what, what do you do with that opportunity when you get it? And these guys have made the most of it. Well, I got a business idea for Ohapi. I think we got to start a, a, a pub outside the Big A in the Duck Pond called Ohapi's. I think we could make a mint on that. <laughs> I agree. I think he's the young future for this team. There's no doubt about it. He's a leader. Uh, and obviously that injury early, but they had him in every meeting, every pitcher's meeting. They kept him involved all season, and he's shown the leadership qualities that this organization loves. And uh, and I've talked to him many times. I really, really like this young man. Well, I'm proud to say it. He's the greatest San Jose State baseball player of all time, a fantastic broadcaster with a wonderful career. Mark, uh, good luck in the offseason. Let's hook up in the offseason and talk some baseball. I would love it. You know, anytime you want to uh, talk of some baseball, I'm in. I've always enjoyed our conversations, and you, you always bring back the great past of San Jose State and what it means to both of us. You know, uh, I'm, I'm grateful for that opportunity, as I know you were also, uh, and it's always great to kind of rehash those great memories also. All right, buddy, be well. You got it, Chris. Anytime. Great talking with you. Love that guy. Mark Langston. Go back and look. You like strikeouts? Left-handed? A lefty strikeouts? Mark Langston was the goods. How are you? I don't get this. I'm supposed to go from San Jose State greatness to a Cal hack? Who's calling the Stanford game tomorrow? He's not even calling baseball? He's off the baseball beat already? (laughs) He's got more Pac-12 nonsense? Wait, wait, wait. When, when, when do we have Roxy? Well, he's here now. Oh, he's here? Roxy Bernstein's here, ladies and gentlemen. Hi, Roxy. Thanks for having me, Chris. <laughs> uh, I'll talk to you next week. 
<laughs> How are you? I'm good. I'm home for a little bit, and then it gets get crazy again. You've had some big baseball games lately. I have. That was a fun game in Seattle on Wednesday night. Um, it a little got a little wild there when Hector Neris and Julio Rodriguez had to be separated and still trying to figure out exactly what Hector yeah, Neris Yeah, there's apologies, but no one wants to say what, what, what was said. And, uh, yeah, interesting. You know, it makes you a little concerned that people are a little bit caught up in that, Chris, as opposed to it was kind of a huge baseball game. Yes, biggest right? of the like, year. teams are fighting to get in. Yeah. And they're worried about personal battles. That's not necessarily a good sign. Well, I, I look at this, Roxy, for Major League Baseball, because as you know, like we said, you're, 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 you are you got a football game tomorrow. Uh, obviously, you're going to be doing playoff baseball for ESPN. We'll get into that. But at this time of the year, football takes over. And even you got a Ryder Cups going on. you got a lot of different events that uh, people start paying attention to. But you got nine teams that are in contention for five spots this weekend. This, with the with getting more stolen bases, making the game faster, there was a lot of people against all this, all these changes in baseball. But you look at these changes; I, I got to say they've been a success. And isn't this what we want? The final weekend coming down to there's a lot, there's a lot of balls in the air. We don't know exactly who's going to be in the postseason when it starts Tuesday. The more teams, and it creates chaos, right? Yeah. And chaos is better, and it creates intrigue and excitement, and more markets can can be involved with a pennant race. Um, you know, we go back to the changes that were made with the pitch clock, the larger bases, the banning of the shifts, which have all been well-received. And I, I was one of those people, Chris, initially, that was a little uneasy about the wild card. Is this going to work, especially with three teams? But I am liking it after seeing the format play out last year and being in St. Louis to call that wild card. The Phillies knocked off the Cardinals. Um, those were great games. Th- those were. Yeah. And that rally, the Phillies. The, yeah. the Cardinals still, Chris, haven't recovered from that ninth inning rally by the Phillies <laughs> yeah. in game one. They, they really haven't. I know. When you look at the miserable season that St. Louis had, uh, it, it, and with Oliver Marmol's situation, we'll see if he is back next year. Um, but that was certainly a wild game and it, it, it fueled the Phillies to go to the world series, right? Because then they got hot and the Phillies are a dangerous team going into the postseason. When you got starting pitching like they do with guys like Wheeler and Nola and Ranger Suarez, you pick up Lorenzen. I know he's been up and down ever since the no hitter, but they're a dangerous team coming into the playoffs. And, And so is Milwaukee, I think, because of their starting pitching. The National League, to me, is pretty wide open when you consider the top two teams. How confident do you think they feel in their starting pitching going into the playoffs? I'm not sure if I'm Brian Snitker and Dave Roberts that I'm feeling all that great the way my starting pitching is going right now. Starting pitching, that's one of the things that is being addressed right now. And there was a great article and we're going to get into it a little bit later about, you know, looking at the future of baseball. What's what's something that's got to as we see these changes, these changes work, what changes and, and getting starters back and less relievers and no name guys coming out of the bullpen. But, you know, in playoff baseball, they pull guys so early. We can sit here and talk rotations all we want, but they don't allow guys to go deep. Philly, Philly has been able to do that. 
right? Some guys can line up and do that, but uh, we'll see. Dodgers are in town. You're going to have the Dodgers in the first round for ESPN Radio? I'll, I'll have them in the division series, yeah. Once So the wild card, I'm going to Milwaukee. Yeah, because they got to buy. Well, yeah. Right. I'll have the Brewers against either, it looks like, the Cubs or the Marlins. Um, and then the winner of that wild card against the Dodgers will be my division series. All right. Over at, you can call it Pac Bell, SBC Global, AT&T, Jesus, what the hell they call Oracle now, whatever they call that place. Uh, you never like seeing people lose jobs, but when you have two rivals ending against each other, Giants have tried to be smartest guy in the room. The one year they won 107 games, you won 106. You know, the Dodgers have listened about the Padres spending all this money. They lost to San Diego in the playoffs. That They had slayed the Dragon. If you're the Giants sitting there at Oracle Park, do you just have kind of that Cheshire grin, that Cheshire cat grin going, oh, yeah, I thought you guys were all so smart you're going to take us down and uh, you don't have a manager anymore. <laughs> well, they'll have an interim manager for three days and then they'll try to figure it out. And I'm a little surprised the move was made, but not necessarily with what you were hearing the last 24 to 48 hours coming out of San Francisco, right? That Farhan Zaidi talked to the media and and you got the indication that it was probably headed in this direction when Farhan opened up. But I just did the Giants this past Sunday on Sunday Night Baseball against the Dodgers in L.A. And I didn't get one indication, at least from Gabe Kapler, that this was even on his radar. We spent a good 20 minutes, 25 minutes in his office. Wait, you guys being ESPN, you, yeah, get, so you, you get special time with him. Yeah, we get special meetings with the managers. So Doug Lanville, who called the game with me, and then the TV crew, Carl Ravitch, Eduardo Perez, uh, Buster Olney, and David Cohn were all in there. And Gabe was talking about next year, um, what some of his plans were to move forward, some of his thoughts going into the offseason where the Giants needed to get better. Never got that indication in the slightest that this was potentially on his radar, that he could be out. Well, here we are, less than a week later, he's out, and it leaves a lot of question marks about what's going to happen with the Giants in the future. You know, we had Dave Roberts on the program again. Love Dave Roberts. Uh, I root for him. I got to play against him in high school and in college. So he's he, my he's my age, so I'm always rooting for him. And I, you look at his managerial record, 749 wins to just 440 losses. People have taken a lot of shots. It's amazing all the managers that have been who have come and gone in the National League West while he has been the skipper. Knowing that you're going to have the Dodgers, they're going to have another chance, another go at it. Uh, pretty impressive because they 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 obviously wanted to keep the payroll down. They were going to bring a lot of young guys up, and it's worked. And when you look, I don't think you can call them the model because when you got 10 million people in L.A. County, uh, you kind of got a built-in advantage over a lot of different towns. But when you look what they've done as an organization – Star players, young players, bringing guys up, utilizing their system, all the winning, the what, 11 straight years in the playoffs. You've been around them a lot now, Dave Roberts and the Dodgers. Just talk about how impressed you are with the whole operation. Well, well first off, with Dave, and you've been around him a lot, Chris, so you know. His demeanor, his personality, 
he makes a point to have those conversations and relationships with his players on a daily basis, checks in with them, um, that they understand where he's coming from. If there's an issue, for example, here the last couple of weeks, the Dodgers knew they were cemented in as the, as the division champs. And once they clinched the buy into the division series, and yes, there was an effort to try to get the number one seed, but Atlanta had the edge. But Dave Roberts had these conversations, whether it's with Mookie Betts, or Freddie Freeman, or Max Muncy, Chris Taylor, whoever it is in his clubhouse, Will Smith, about how much they want to play. What do they need to do to get ready for the postseason? And also, he had these conversations with, with Mookie Betts about the MVP. And it's on his radar. Like Dave Roberts wants his guy to win it. And I think Mookie really wants to win it. It's going to be tough because Acuna has done something this year we've never seen before in the game. But in some ways, Chris Mookie Betts has done that also, where he's done it defensively at two positions, right? He's a gold glove right fielder. He's as good a defender in right field as there is in the game. Then you put him at second base, and you could probably make the case if he stayed there, he could win a gold glove. That's how good he is defensively. So he's doing that in addition to the offensive numbers he's putting up. So Dave Roberts made a point to talk to Mookie, like they had a doubleheader in Colorado the other day. Do you want to play both games? Do you want to play one game? What do you want to do? Because he wants his players to succeed. He wants those meetings to happen, to have that feel so they're on the same page, that they have the trust of the manager. And I think that's critical for Dave Roberts and any manager in baseball to have those type of relationships with your players. On the other side, I mean, it's coming out that now Buster Posey's going to have a big influence on who the manager's going to be. They've even floated his name out there. I know this working all these years, whether it's our business, uh, whether it's actually in the coaching business, but whoever you had, right? We see this program directors in radio. If you've got a certain type of program director and you fire that guy, you're going to go hire somebody who's different, right? Same thing in coaching. When you've got Jim Harbaugh and you got a personality like Harbaugh and you fire Harbaugh, you're going to get the you're going to go out and get the opposite Jim Tom Sula. You're never going to yeah, hire right? You're, <laughs> but you're never going to hire the same guy. You're going to no. hire somebody. So Farhan, so into analytics, so into the data, so into the micromanage every part of the game, which Kapler fit that. Now what kind of guy are they going to have to go out and hire? It's it's going to be depending on what he's looking for as a manager, right? He and Gabe Kapler were very similar in their thought process. You mentioned the analytics. They had that relationship previously. And Gabe had a little bit of success and struggled in Philadelphia. Look, he was manager of the year in the National League just a few years ago with the Giants, so it's not like he didn't have any success. And Gabe Kapler's he's a good guy. He's a great guy. He's a good baseball guy. Certainly quirky, a little bit different than most managers. Um, but I think you're maybe going with somebody this time that is a more relaxed kind of a guy, right? An old, Maybe an older school baseball feel, like Gabe Kapler's the new school. Maybe you want to go old school and, and bring in somebody. And I know people have floated Bob Melvin's name out there. Well, Bob's currently got a job. And if that changes, I think Bob would listen. Yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> Bob's not the happiest guy in the world. I think we all know that. Um, yeah, you and I have had many conversations with him. I'm going to keep those <laughs> private between Bob and me. 
but I'm not going to say that you're wrong with yeah. what you just threw out there. Yeah. Um, just saying. No just source, saying. No sources, no sources, just saying. But it just, I think the Giants need to go, like you said, in a different direction. Uh, whether that is Bob, should he become available? Whether it's, I don't know, throw your candidate out there. I mean, sometimes, like, for example, I think there's going to be a number of openings around baseball. And the Mets try it with Buck Showalter. That didn't really work. Um, is he going to be back? Does Aaron Boone become available? I think, personally, I think Aaron Boone stays with the Yankees. and They give him another year. I think when Aaron Judge spoke up a couple of weeks ago, having Aaron's back, I think that meant a lot to a lot of people in New York in, in regards to his future. But it, it really is a funny business at times because you can be good one year, then all of a sudden you struggle the next year and you're the problem. And I feel bad for Gabe Kapler because, Chris, he's only dealing – He's only playing with the hand he was dealt. He didn't assemble that roster. Um, and it was a flawed roster. Now, they made efforts. They tried to get Aaron Judge. It didn't work. The whole Carlos Correa disaster. Disaster. Um, and look, all the guys they went and signed, Michael Conforto, Mitch Haniger, they've been spent time on the injured list, right? The pitching staff, he's essentially down to two starting pitchers. There's only so much you can do. And I... I, I it's looked like either one of them had to go. And I think Farhan decided, okay, let's go in a different direction because I just feel like I got to get some fresh air in that clubhouse. Yeah. He's not going to fire himself. He'll get no. one, he'll get one more manager. So it's got to, some's got to change and it has to change quick or, or, or he is going to be out uh, getting back in just into baseball, looking at the wild card. I, I, what happened last night in New York, what happened the last couple of days with rain and tarps, I checked into this. If the Marlins have to fly back to New York for four more outs, it's going to cost their organization over $100,000 in plane, jet, buses. What happened last night? There, I didn't realize people are breaking out on Twitter that there is in the rule book that if a team does some funny business, they can forfeit a game. I think baseball really needs to step in and do something here because that the, what happened, I mean, Steve Cohen came out before, apologized about not having the tarp on. They had to play a doubleheader. And then your tarp guys last night were a joke. Like, you got to clean this up at the end of the year. I mean, the Marlins to have to go through this when right now, right now the Marlins lead the last wild card by a half game. And they may have to go back to New York for, I mean, this is ridiculous. Do you agree baseball has to do something? The only thing is, I don't know what could be done, right? I don't think you can all of a sudden, okay, say the Mets forfeit the game and the Marlins get the win. Or the game is now over because the Marlins are ahead 2-1. to one. They scored two in the, in the top of the ninth and are, and are still batting in that game. I, I'm not sure. Could baseball reprimand the Mets? Maybe. Could they make the Mets pay for this because of their grounds crew screw-up? I don't know. Maybe that's an avenue you want to I go like down. that. You know what? I, I do. I didn't think about it. I, I, I was so mad about it. I'm like, make them make them forfeit. Fine them, do all this. I'd fine them, and I now like it. You got to pick up the tab. I, yeah. and, of, and, of course, the Mets, they're not going to care. They got to. But just the fact that you make it public, you got to pick up the tab. Because, this. I mean, this is your job as a home team to take care of this stuff, no matter what the record is, no matter what time of the year, but especially to try and screw a team like this at the end of the year that's trying to get in the playoffs. It's just not right. 
I'm not going to say it was deliberate, that it was intentional from the Mets, but their guys taking their ground crews, taking pictures outside the Marlins uh, dugout. I mean, the whole thing's a bad look. I don't blame Skip Schumacher for being as ticked off as he was. Right. And Kim Ang was right there. Their GM. She was on the phone with Major League Baseball. The Marlins were already upset because the Mets neglected to cover the field when it poured over the weekend. Right. So. It wasn't the rain the other day that was the problem. It was the poor field conditions. It was too soft, and you were going to be susceptible to injury if you tried to play on that surface the other day. So the Marlins already were upset, and then this happens in the ninth inning last night. Could they have moved the game up a little bit last night, started it earlier? Maybe that could have happened because the window was there when they knew rain was coming later in the night. I think the situation could have been avoided. And do I blame the Mets? Yeah, I think there's some blame there. Do I blame Major League Baseball? I, I think there could you could make that argument, too. If they had stepped in and said, hey, look, we know there's a window between 4 and 9 p.m. Let's move the start of the game up to make sure we get this game played because this is a critical game in the landscape of the playoff race. And the Marlins now up a half a game. They're in Pittsburgh. So you think about their travel last night, Chris. It, it finally got banged. What time did like 1.30 in the morning they, Eastern time? They got in at or 6 a.m. to Pittsburgh. Yeah. And then you have to go play a game tonight. And they're already running on fumes here at the end of a season. Their pitching staff right now, I don't want to say it's in shambles, but it, it's being patched together. Then you have to go out and play. The Marlins have not necessarily been a very good road team this year. And for whatever reason, they've always had their issues in Pittsburgh. I remember years ago, I was doing a pregame show and Jack McKeon was managing the, the Marlins. Trader and Jack. Did, and we did it in the visiting clubhouse in the manager's office bathroom because he was going to flush the curse of the Allegheny down the toilet because the Marlins had struggled so much in Pittsburgh. I mean, that, that was stuff like that Jack McKeon did. Jack was a funny guy, great guy to be around. And he was one of those colorful personalities in baseball. And, and by the way, I don't know if you know this, but do you know who his favorite baseball player ever is that he managed? Ooh. You know him well. I know he him played, personally. He, yes. And he played for him at two different spots. San Diego and, and Miami. San Diego and Cincinnati. Bip Roberts. There you go. That is his favorite player ever is Bip. He, he brought he, he brought Bip up. He did. The Padres, yeah. He did. He did. There's that's by the way, Bip Roberts a very good immaculate grid spot, you know, if if, if it comes up because Bip's <laughs> got a lot of luggage. <laughs> All right. Got to get a little college football. Okay. All right. So, how are we feeling Portal, how this season's going? I know college football's your baby. H- how do you feel about college football, right? All the change we still don't know, I mean, what Washington State, Oregon State, maybe Big 12. I don't know. How you feeling? To be honest with you, I'm a little down on it. I am – look, I love what I do, and I love the games. And, like, the three hours tomorrow, it's great when I'm calling Oregon and Stanford. But I'm sa- – I mean, I'm sad at what's become a college athletics. And I am – sad is the, the right word for me when I talk about the Pac-12. And it's after May, as we know it, it's going away. 
I hope Oregon State and Washington State keep the name going and somehow they move forward. And I've even heard the potential they could operate as a, a two-team conference next year. That there, That is a possibility. But I don't know where it's going. I know it's going to change again. And I'm optimistic that they'll figure this thing out because it's dumb, Chris, that Cal and Stanford are going to be in the same league with Miami and Duke, right? That UCLA and Rutgers and USC and Maryland are in the same conference. Arizona, Central Florida, and West Virginia, and ASU. I mean, what are we doing? Right? It's lunacy. I mean, yeah, Cal waking up early Saturday morning to watch that battle, that great Cal-Wake Forest game. You're like, what, what, really? And then you're screwing all the other athletes. Football makes us money. Basketball, certain schools make big money in basketball, but most don't. You know, there's over 300 Division I basketball teams. Most are not printing cash. And then all the other sports. It's just, it, it's it's a travesty. It's about money and football. That's it. And every other sport, including hoops, is a casualty of this realignment because of football. And a lot of it, I wouldn't say it's even realignment. It's conference consolidation, right? And we're going to see it again. Because at some point, I think we're headed like the NFL model, where it's going to be just a Two superpower conferences, the SEC and the Big Ten. And where are you going to be? Because, okay, the ACC, the Big 12, there's your power four moving forward. And at some point, I think those are going to disintegrate also. And we're going to be left with two conferences. And eventually, I think, and Chip Kelly had the best idea, Chris, that, that football will break away and be its own animal. And then everything else can go back to its regional leagues. And we could get the Pac-12 for basketball and baseball and softball and volleyball and soccer instead of having these cross-country conference matchups because with Cal and Stanford joining the ACC, now SMU bought their way in. But other than that, the furthest, the closest school in terms of miles, mileage from Cal and Stanford is Louisville. That's what you're looking at. And tell me how this is great yeah. for college kids. Yeah, it's, it, it, it's a travesty. All righty. So you got Stanford, Oregon tomorrow. Yes. Then what? Do you, then you got potentially a baseball game Sunday. Um, I'm waiting to see if the Rangers Mariners mean something significant or the Diamondbacks Astros. If either game means something significant on Sunday, there's potential for me to do it. Um, and then Monday, I'm headed to Milwaukee. For the wild card, the Brewers against either the Cubs or the Marlins, more than likely, for that wild card series. And then beginning next Saturday, game one of the NLDS, I'll be at Dodger Stadium with the Dodgers taking on the winner of that wild card. Great stuff. Keep your phone on. We're calling. You know how to get a hold of me. I'm not hard to find. Like Deion says, we're not hard to find. Have some great calls. You got some big games coming up. Let's go. The great Roxy Bernstein right here on A's Cast Live. Coming up next. A Hall of Famer. That's right. A Bay Area Radio Hall of Famer is going to join us right here on A's Cast Law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is Chris Townsend and Commander Cody for Link Soul. you got to go to their website right now, linksoul.com. The new polos are unbelievable. New colors, lighter weight. We got our new summer shipment, Cody. I couldn't be happier. I look better, all thanks to Link Soul. So we're talking about new polos. You can check out their shorts. Anything you need for summer, they have it right now. When you go to their website, they've got a smoking summer deal. Go to linksoul.com. That's linksoul.com. Hey, it's Eno Saris, your friendly neighborhood baseball scribe. There are two things I love, baseball and beer. When I'm not busy around the ballpark, you'll likely catch me back with a cold one at any of Fieldwork Brewing's eight locations sprinkled across the Bay Area. Fieldwork's got a rotating lineup of over 20 beers on tap that's as diverse as any 26-man roster. They got everything from super juicy, hazy IPAs to crisp pilsners and tropical sours that make your taste buds do the wave. Whether you're all about that draft life or prefer to grab some cans to go, Fieldwork's got your bases covered. Check them out at fieldworkbrewing.com to learn more. That's fieldworkbrewing.com. Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. Once again, if you're just joining us, we have a, we know who the class of 2024 Oakland A's Hall of Fame is going to be. I can't tell you who. Learned last night. Uh, hosting an event in the uh, visiting clubhouse was really cool with the people of Comerica. We had Jason Giambi there. Talking shop with G. Jason Giambi is going to join us uh, in the offseason. It's great catching up with him. He's such a fun guy. And I'm so glad we put him into the Ace Hall of Fame. Obviously, that decision to go to New York was a tough decision. But the A's mean so much to him and his life and his career. The relationships that he has. I mean, he he loved being an A. He truly did. And the relationship between the organization and Jason Giambi is just getting stronger. And that is just unbelievable news. But the A's Hall of Fame, I'm just telling you right now, I hopefully we're going to announce it this weekend. But the A's Hall of Fame, the names you're going to love. The 2024, the 2024 class, you're absolutely going to love. Speaking of the Hall of Fame, let's bring on a Hall of Famer, Bay Area Radio Hall of Famer. The great Marty Lurie is with us. Marty, uh, always great to have you on. I hope all is well with you. And uh, a, a, a lot of changes coming down with the San Francisco Giants. A lot of craziness as they're finishing the season against the Dodgers. Well, Chris, every day uh, is another day at the ballpark. You never know what's going to happen. Yeah. And we walked in today, obviously, and uh, Gabe Kapler is out. And Farhan is beginning the search, which he hopes will conclude 
by October, by uh, by free agency time to look for new managers. So, yeah, big news here. You know, anytime uh, an organization changes a manager before the end of a season, it's a big deal. You know, you're second to none, and we always call you a baseball historian. You're second to none when it comes to baseball history, and you've watched this game for so many years evolve. And I look at where the Giants have been under Farhan and under Gabe Kapler and so much about the data and how they control every single game, every single inning. Just what kind of guy, now that Kapler didn't work out, what kind of manager will work with Farhan? Well, I think he knows. Uh, It's interesting you bring that up because baseball history tells us when you change managers, uh, many times you have a a strict manager like a Buck Showalter, uh, Jim Fergozzi, a Lou Piniella. Uh, then you change managers and you bring in Bob Brenly, someone who wrote the lineup on a napkin, uh, you know, just to do a change. And I think that's what we have here. Uh, I think he's going to look for someone who he will give some more autonomy to uh, that won't be wed to the numbers as much, that won't be as tied into the front office in making lineups uh, that can uh, feed, fight back a little bit uh, when uh, a suggestion is made. So, uh, I think the Kapler-Farhan relationship was so close uh, that it didn't allow for that uh, disc- discourse going back and forth. I think now they're going to look for someone maybe a little bit more of a veteran manager uh, who can digest the data and also uh, understand it, but then also be able to look at the club and look at a game and say, you know, this is the way I think it should run. And the one guy I would love to see involved, and I don't know if he'll be available, is someone that's very dear to A's fans and a wonderful man. And you know who I'm going to say, and that's Bob Melvin from San Diego. And he's not the happiest customer in the world down in San Diego. So that's something that potentially could happen. In the end, why do you think it didn't work for Gabe Kapler and the Giants? Well, I think, uh, number one, it's the players. Uh, They did not have the players to compete in this game of today, which is more of a speed game. Uh, They didn't have the pitching staff. Uh, They ended up using openers three times through the rotation. Uh, As I said, they didn't have the speed on the team. They led the league and led the major leagues in errors. And that was something that, uh, you know, is it reflection on the manager? Do they work hard enough before the game? Uh, are they taking players and maneuvering them in so many different positions that they don't master one? Uh, the outfield play was not good all year long. It was not good last year. So it's really two years of, of bad baseball. And as Alex Cobb told me tonight, as talking with him in the clubhouse, I said, what is it? I asked your question, essentially, what happened? They said, well, you know, it's the culture, and sometimes you have to change the culture. And I said, well, what do you mean by culture? What's the definition of that? Because you hear everyone use it all the time. Yeah. And he said, well, it's a, it's a losing attitude that you come into the ballpark and uh, you want to expect to win, uh, not just hope to win or think maybe you can win. And that's the culture that they did not have over the last couple of years. And uh, it's a losing culture. And that's that's the way baseball defines culture. 
uh, it seeps into the clubhouse. And if the manager can't change it, well, then it, it's a reflection upon him. You know, when you look at the guy across the dugout, should Dodger fans really just kind of cherish what they got in Dave Roberts? Because looking at all these years, you know, the different managers for the Giants, the different managers for the Padres, everybody's supposed to gonna take down the Dodgers every single year. That here Dave Roberts is after all these years, a steady ship. He's a really good communicator. I know he needs to win another World Series to kind of validate the COVID year for some people, but just the consistency that Dave Roberts has brought, you don't see a lot of that in our game these days. Well, he has a very consistent approach to baseball, and it's called his lineup. As he writes down the lineup and says, how about Mookie Betts? And then I think I'll put Freddie Freeman up. How about Will Smith? How about J.D. Martinez? Anyone seen Max Muncie around? I think we'll put him up next. How about a resurgent Jason Hayward? Um, James Altman, what about a Rookie of the Year candidate? He has the players, Chris, and it makes a huge difference. Now, the pitching staff, boy, that had to be juggled this year, and he's done a great job of doing that and developing the young pitchers. Uh it was a Pierpont, uh, you know, who's going to get some action. Uh, Sheehan has pitched two great games. He hasn't given up a hit yet to the Giants. Uh, Bobby Miller has pitched well. And contrasting that to the Giants with the young pitchers they brought up, they're sort of in and out, in and out, in and out. Now Keenan Wynn is going to get a shot tonight against the Dodgers. Uh, Harrison is going to pitch on Sunday. Tristan Beck is going to pitch on Saturday. Well, this is game one, uh, 159, 60, and 61, 62, whatever it is. And it's a little late to be developing your pitching. So to Dave Roberts' credit, he took a pitching staff that was just decimated, and he got them through the season and won close to 100 games. And I think that's, that's the thing for me. Not necessarily the way he handles the lineup or the game, but the way he's handled the pitching staff and really developed a bullpen that's fairly effective now, too. I know we talked to you about the three true outcome era, the home runs, the walks, the strikeouts. Joel Sherman recently in the New York Post had a great article where a high-ranking executive said, this game's about going younger, and it's about af- and getting athletes. And – you mm-hmm. And in free agency, you're not going to find younger and athletic. You're going to find older and expensive. How much are you enjoying? I think we're getting out of the money ball era, and I think we're getting into a younger, more athletic game. How much are you enjoying that? Because this is the baseball that were you, when you were growing up in New York, this is the baseball that you loved. Well, I, I think the issue is, for me, all the mistakes they make because they rush guys up to the big leagues and they're coaching now in the major leagues. And if the guy has a good double a season, you know, he's in the major leagues right away. and doesn't need those, you know, 600 at bats at triple a. So uh, I think the point is well taken. You have to have a lot of youth and you have to have a lot of speed. And I think that's what you have to have in baseball today. If you have a lineup that averages 29 or 30 years old, it seems like they're injured all the time. And if you don't have these young guys and the young arms in the bullpen, I think you're behind the game. So I guess the answer is show me the players 
and I'll tell you whether they're good enough. And I think that's the issue. You can have guys who are 29, 30, but you got to have some of those 22-year-olds, 23-year-olds, you know, to plug the gaps here as these players get older. And they get hurt. So, yeah, you need younger players. But I think the players are still the key, Chris. It's still evaluating the players in the minor leagues and getting them up to the big leagues. And that's the issue is evaluation. Yeah, I want to get back to that Bob Melvin point, uh, you know, because obviously the skipper was just here in town. We got to chat with him. You know, it's funny. He, What the Giants would be bringing him in for is the same thing the Padres brought him in for, but obviously it hasn't worked in San Diego. I heard yesterday got a rumor that soon the Padres could be up for sale, let alone whether we know how long A.J. Preller's going to have as the man who leads the San Diego Padres. Just what would that be like? Bob John, Bob Melvin, obviously, we always talk about, grew up on the peninsula, an A's fan, but he played for the San Francisco Giants. What do you really think it would be like for Bob Melvin to come back to the Bay Area and lead the Giants? I think it would be great. Uh, I think the problem he had in San Diego, number one, his pitching staff got injured quite a bit. His bullpen got injured, and uh, you, as Tony LaRusso said, you show me a bad bullpen, I'll show you a bad manager. And his bullpen was awful. But they didn't hit at all, and they just didn't mesh. It just didn't mesh. You look at that top of the order, they flipped that lineup with Bogarts and Tatis and Soto and Machado and Kim, whoever else they're putting up there. And, boy, you go, here they come, and it just never happens. So I think it was a tough clubhouse for him. They didn't mesh. A.J. Preller is more hands-on, and I think he got in the middle of it and it alienated Bob. Uh, I think bringing Bob back here, he's worked with the A's philosophy before, obviously very successfully. Farhan is really part of that, that approach. I think he'd be great. I think he'd be very happy. I think he loves the Bay Area. Uh, the Bay Area loves him on both sides of the Bay. And I think he would be thrilled to come back here and get out of the toxic atmosphere that is in San Diego right now. So if it could be worked out, I think it would be fabulous, and I think he would jump at it. If the Giants called you, Larry Bear gets you on the phone and says, Marty, you're a baseball genius. We respect everything you've done in your career. We want some advice. And he wanted advice on Farhan and what you've seen so far. Uh, what would you tell him? Well, I'd say the farm system is looking better. Uh, let's see the core group that is coming in and see if that core group can be considered winners. Uh, I'd want to see Farhan go out and get some, make a couple of trades and get, uh, you know, the Jordan Walker type player, you know, the 25, 26 year old player, maybe trade a pitcher from that farm system and a couple other players for a Matt McLean from Cincinnati. Cincinnati's desperate for pitching. Uh, my advice would be to tell Farhan to approach it differently on how he gets his players, uh, not work the margins, but actually get a player that can make an impact with speed, with power uh, as a pitcher, someone who's got, got a good arm. Uh, I'd rather do that than see him working that last three spots of the roster all the time. Uh, so that's what I would tell him. And then I would say, look, if you really want to do something, hire me as the manager. <laughs> You'd be great with the media. Hey, come on. I can do this, right? Totally. 
I would love to no, see I'm that. I'm only kidding. <laughs> We'd love to see Only kidding. Let's get you in uniform. I put, I put it on Twitter tonight at Baseball Marty. I said, now, all right, Kaplan's fired. Who do you want to see? And I got more votes than most people. So <laughs> I don't know. Maybe there's something to it. Well, we're coming down to the wire here. Nine teams are still in contention for the final five postseason spots. How much are you enjoying this final weekend and the chaos of Major League Baseball? I like it because you know why? Because uh, Texas, Houston, Seattle, they're all good teams. And Seattle's got pitching. And you know as well as I do, October is all about pitching. you got to have the pitching. So if Seattle gets in, Seattle could give people trouble. If Toronto gets in, which they should, uh, they can give people trouble with the pitching that they've got. So I think it's pretty – and the Orioles win 100 games. Come on, how about that? First time going back to 1980 when Steve Stone was there winning 25 games. Uh, I think it's a great time for baseball. The National League is a mess. Uh, Everybody's got trouble. The bullpen of the Dodgers, the starters of the Dodgers starting pitching. Uh, the Braves bullpen, Braves have injuries. Braves have maybe the best offensive team in years. Uh, the Phillies are kind of a crazy team with Harper and the rest of them, and their bullpen is a mess. Um, <clears throat> the Cubs, if they get in, look what they're basically crawling in. The Diamondbacks have two pitchers. Uh, the Marlins, what a story that could be if they get in with, with only two pitchers, uh, using so many relievers every day. Cincinnati, with no pitching at all, they may get in. So it's a wild, wild last weekend. And I'll tell you something. I think if you ask me who's going to be in the World Series, I can't tell you. I guess I'd say the Braves, and I guess I'd say the Orioles. But, boy, it can be anybody. And that's the beauty of this October. I think it's up for grabs. I really do. Yeah, it's going to be phenomenal this weekend. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the, the, a true tournament Starts on Tuesday. So do you have the shows on KMBR this weekend? Yeah, yeah, I'll be on tomorrow at 2 o'clock. So I've got that coming on tomorrow. And then Sunday, 8 a.m., of course, you know, everything starts at 12.10, you know, local time here. It'll be 12.10, the the game tomorrow, uh, Sunday, rather. And it'll be Brandon Crawford's uh, last day, so that'll be exciting as well. And uh, there'll be a lot of hope. Uh, you know, to see what's going to happen with this ball club. I asked Gabe Kapler, not Gabe Kapler, I asked Farhan today, when do you want to get a manager in place? And he said, well, I want to have one in place by the time free agency starts, which means that's the end of October, you know, the first few days of November. So Giants have a lot to do here. There's a lot on their plate. So uh, we've got a lot to talk about this weekend. It's going to be pretty cool. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, let, let's end on this because we should give Brandon Crawford some love here because he's a Bay Area guy, a two-time World Series champion, three-time All-Star, four-time Gold Glove winner, uh, a, 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 a heck of a career. Just when you think about him, Giants history, Bay Area sports history, how, how do you how how do you think you'll remember Brandon Crawford? Well, he's a three-time – well, he's a two-time World Series champion. Of course, they won three times. But uh, for him, uh, in 12 and 14, a World Series champion, gold glove, uh, most games at shortstop for a San Francisco Giant, uh, just a, an outstanding player, uh, just the glue of the infield, a local kid. Uh, he will go down as one of the all-time favorites for this generation. 
And I know that Will Clark uh, for the prior generation and, there, you know, there's the Barry Bonds of the world and people like that. But for this generation, when they look at Bumgarner and Posey uh, and Lincecum, uh, Crawford's name comes right up there because you don't win without a great shortstop. And boy, when the money was on the line, this guy delivered and he deserves all those accolades. And he's a nice man, too. Good guy. Yeah, no, it's it's a great story. Uh, his wife Pleasanton and uh, high school sweethearts. I, I, you know, especially a kid coming from the Bay Area, he's been a hell of a player. There's no question about that. All right, Marty, you have great shows this weekend, and of course, we're going to be calling you during the playoffs because we want your view on the postseason. We want the historical breakdown. Nobody better talking baseball than the great Marty Lurie. Well, I appreciate it, you know, and I've always said nobody works harder than you, and I know how hard it is to do your job, and you do it better than anybody, Chris, so good luck to you. All right, buddy, we'll talk soon. All right, be well, thanks. Marty Lurie, on this weekend, we say 2 o'clock on uh, Saturday and then starting at 8 a.m. on Sunday on KMBR 680. You know, I have no problem mentioning KMBR. I used to work at KMBR. I was there for, what, 10, 11 years, whatever it was? That was a long time ago, Commander. Uh, marathon man, Marty Laurie. The guy can do a four-hour pregame show for a, game, a team that's well, out of the playoff race. But Marty does a great job, and um, glad we're able to get him talk, to talk Giants. Because uh, big news, I mean, it's the biggest story in baseball right now, what's going on oh, with it's that. It's the breaking news on MLB Network right now on the on the ticker. Did want to give Brandon Crawford his due. I mean, he's been it's been the shortstop for the Giants since 2011. It's a he's, long time. Yeah, he's coming off the, It's the premiere this shortstop. They're the premier positions in Major League Baseball. And to have some offense, to go with the defense, four-time Gold Glove winner. Brandon Crawford has had a uh, – was a UCLA guy, right? I think he's a Bruin. Yeah. Well, because I was thinking because Cole went there too, and that's I'm assuming – who's married to who? Is he married to Crawford's sister? Garrett Cole is married to Brandon Crawford's sister. Okay, so she must be UCLA person. And the family's from Pleasanton. Yeah. Right, he married his high school sweetheart. I unfortunately I don't know his wife's name, but they have like four kids. I mean, it's 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 a it's a hell of a story. I mean, Brandon Crawford had a great career. I mean, the numbers: 146 home runs, 744 RBIs, 1,391 hits. I mean, he won a gold medal for a World Baseball Classic. Um, two-time Wilson Defensive Player of the Year. The Gold Glove, Silver Slugger. I mean, he had a hell of a career. Hell, he finished fourth in the MVP voting in 2021, his best year when you look at his numbers. A guy who never had an OPS over 800 hit had an OPS of 895 that year. At age 34 for the Giants year, they won 107 games and won the NL West. He had 24 home runs, drove in 90. Those are his best offensive numbers that he put up, and he hit 298 that year. It was a great year for him. And then, obviously, he's been you know injured this year, but still playing steady defense for the Giants. But they're – Transitioning into the future now. Well, you heard Marty say what I told you earlier. You never hire the same guy that you just fired. Never seen it in our radio business that I was in for so many years. If you fired a program director and he was a micromanager, you go get a non-micromanager. If you fired a program director who was aloof, then you went and got a micromanager. And to bring it back to a lot of you sports fans... If you have a guy like Harbaugh, you don't hire Harbaugh again. What do you hire? 
Well, unfortunately, you hired Jim Tom Sula. Uh. But, you, but you go the opposite, right? You go the opposite. Jerry Jones has done it for years with the Cowboys. It happens with managers. It's like the whole Bob Melvin thing now. It was like, look at all the different guys at San Diego tried to throw at you. Now they need a veteran guy, right? Same thing with the Texas Rangers. Need the veteran guy. So now you bring in Bochi because everybody wanted to go with younger guys who know the analytics. And then all of a sudden they realize these, these you need somebody, and Mark Kotze is going to talk about this next. You need somebody that is a great communicator. It's like it's it's just it it literally blows my mind that people want to think that professional sports is different than regular life. Has anybody anybody had a good boss who is not a good communicator? Now you may say, "Well, I like a guy who just leaves me alone." Okay, but does that mean he's a good boss? Is the guy that is the boss doesn't communicate with you, is that good? Or when you do communicate with him, it's not good? We all know that's a terrible boss. Well, it's the same thing with a manager. If you can't communicate with your manager, if you don't know your players, this isn't like years ago you show up, speaking of Bob Melvin, when Bob was drafted by the Tigers and he got brought up, he had no relationship with Bart Sparky Anderson. Sparky Anderson was the old school. He's the skipper, you know. That stuff got thrown out the door a long time ago. You need to know your players. You need to understand your players. You need to understand that we're dealing with a lot in life. You know, yesterday, I know we were going to talk about it. We're not going to have that time. Maybe we do it on Monday, but yesterday, uh, NBC Sports California, I was filling in for Brody. My last TV of the year, strictly A's cast and radio the rest of the way. Uh, they wanted me to do my top three of 2023. And one of them for me was Trevor May. Trevor May is dealing with something that a lot of people are dealing with, anxiety and depression. You've dealt with it. My wife has dealt with it. It's something that affects so many of us, and it's hard. And to do it in the spotlight, and Trevor May went on the IL and then was a person that was upfront about it. He didn't run and hide from it. And he talked to all of us about it. And because he talked to all of us about it and he went about his business and really did his job well, a lot of people looked up to him. No matter what our, our poor record was and what was happening in the season, he became an inspirational figure in our community, in the A's community. And I wanted to bring that up yesterday, and I didn't have a whole lot of time. You know, in TV you get little snippets, and I had to run through it when I was with Dave Stewart, A's Hall of Famer. But I really think that this year we're going to remember Trevor May. We'll always remember Trevor May in our A's world, what he did for a lot of people in our community. Because a lot of people are suffering with anxiety and depression. And it makes you feel better and makes you feel that there's hope. If someone like Trevor May, it's not something that just goes away. But Trevor May can deal with it and be successful and be open, be therapeutic and talk about it and help people. There's a lot of people in our A's community who, who got a lot of comfort out of watching 
Trevor May deal with his issues. And I think out of my top three for 2023 stories, Trevor May is one of those. And the communication that he had with his manager and the A's front office. Years ago, who knows how they would have dealt with that. But now how we deal with it, it's the right way. We help people get help. People need help. Professional athletes, just because you can throw a baseball really hard or shoot a basketball or throw a football, run a football, doesn't mean you don't have issues at home. Doesn't mean you don't have issues with your wife, your family. Parents could be passing away. Issues with your kids. Trevor May taught us a lot this year. And he is my top stories for 2023. He is one of them. But communication, it shows you've got to have an adult in the room. I see it over and over and over again. Somebody's got to lead the front of the plane, the front of the bus. Somebody's got to be the leader. Stop telling me about your BS stats and your stupid analytics. Somebody's got to be the leader. Somebody has to be the person that stands up and leads a franchise. Leadership matters. I heard this whole thing about Nick Saban on the Pat McAfee show where he talks about all the people he brings in to try and help his players mentally. Because the mental side is just as much as the physical side. Like the true leaders of men, what they do and try to help people not only perform better, but be better people. That matters. If you think you're just going to sit here with a bunch of data and that works, that's what Gabe Kapler was. And that's what Farhan is. They are just strict. Remember that? There's no such thing as clutch. There's no such thing as all this stuff. Oh, the Padres are losing. It's just luck that they lose. You know, everybody wants to explain everything just in numbers and not in human beings. We're human beings. Brains. We have brains. We have hearts. We have feelings. We have needs. We have wants. You have to deal with that. You have to deal with the people. And if you don't have somebody that can deal with that, which I don't know Gabe Kapler that well, but I can tell you, you're hearing it now, communication sucked with the San Francisco Giants. And that's when you start talking the culture sucked and the process sucked. You're telling me right now, they did, like, how many guys went, why are you pinch hitting for me? Why are you taking me out of games as a pitcher? Like, there was all this, you know, why is all this happening? Because all they cared about was their numbers. How many times do we have to show if all you care about is numbers and you don't care about the players, you're going to fail? I think I mean, it shows you that when Logan Webb spoke out about the clubhouse culture and guys were more, more worried about you know, uh, playing card games, that's a reflection on Kapler because he's the leader of, of the clubhouse. Yeah. And you got your prized number one pitcher who was trying to win a Cy Young Coming out and talking about the clubhouse culture, thats that was fir- the first thing that, that I think did Kapler in. Then Farhan's comments on KMBR, and then ultimately see today he gets let go and they're moving in a different direction. But, yeah, Kapler, is a big, he was a big numbers guy, and that's what they cared about. They wanted to match up all the time, and they were going to match match you to death. And, you know, we have two starting pitchers, although we have Manaya and Stripling and all these guys in the bullpen, yeah. but we don't want to start them. you got starters, em. but you don't start them. We don't want to use Jacob Junis. He's a, hey. he's a bulk guy. Let, 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 let's let, let, let's go to other people. Look at the difference of what Bob Guerin was and Bob Melvin. I always called Bob Bob 2.0 in the beginning. <laughs> Look at the difference of respect and the leadership of the men in the clubhouse between Guerin and Melvin. Mark Jackson, Steve Kerr. I'll take it to another sport. Mark Jackson, Steve Kerr. 
I mean, you're all Warrior fans. You've been following it for all these years. What Steve Kerr means to those players. You think it's all just in the Warriors analytics? You think that's all the Warriors' success is all because of the Warriors' brain trust in their analytics? You don't think Steve Kerr's played a big role in these guys' lives and helped turn them into NBA champions? Great communicator, great leader. Phil Jackson, who he played for. Triangle. Phil Jackson was always putting books in guys' lockers and trying to help guys. <laughs> you know, there was all these things. That you, I mean, that's... Pat Riley. Pat Riley was a hard ass. Leader of men. He was kind of an old schooler. But Leader Popovich, of men. But, I mean, yeah. it's, it's like, look where you go. Look where you go. What true leaders and great leaders are. You've got to have one of those guys. And that's what... You, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of when A.J. Preller in San Diego had Jace Tingler, right? <laughs> and and A.J. – not A.J. Green. A.J. Green was a wide receiver. Who was the um, – um, Andy Green. Andy Green. A.J. Greenwood. A.J. Green could go get it. Uh, he's in the Bengals Hall of Fame. Though. Uh, what are they doing? Yeah, Andy Ceremony. Green. They said Andy Green had a photographic memory. Like he could look at all the data and immediately process it, and he didn't need to have it in the dugout because he was so great with data. So he's Sean McVay but wasn't successful? Exactly. What was the guy uh, they just had in Texas? Oh, uh, Chris Woodward. Yeah. No. Was yeah. it Woodward? Yeah. So he was the guy that was supposed to be, oh, he knows so much. And then it's like, hey, we got to bring in somebody, Brighton Bochy. Like, leadership matters. I, I can't believe. And you all know it. It's in your job. You know when you don't have a good leader. You know when you don't have a good boss. You know it's not good for business. Not having a good leader it's bad for business. And on that note, we're going to bring in Mark Kotze. And we'll address this with Mark Kotze. It's our final Mark Kotze show of the 2023 season. Well, now joining us here on A's Cast Live, it's the last one of the season. It's sad. It's the Mark Kotze show brought to you by Nest Betting. Check out their location in the Bay Area or you go to nestbetting.com for all your betting needs. You're talking about your sheets, your pillows, and, of course, their wonderful mattresses that Mark Kotze and his family sleep on. Go to nestbedding.com or check out their location in the Bay Area. Well, it's hard to believe the journey has finally come to an end. Three games left. How crazy is that to finally see that finish line? Yeah, you know, it's uh, like you talked about. It is a journey, and uh, we're at the end of the road here. We've got three games left in Anaheim, and, uh, you know, it's been a it's been a challenge for sure uh, in in a lot of different ways, but uh, you know the guys are still competing. We're still battling. Um, you know, as a result, yesterday you, know, you look at that game in Minnesota. Uh, you know, it's a playoff contending team that we we faced two of their best starters uh, in Sunny Gray and Kenta Maeda, and we ended up winning the game yesterday, which which shows a lot about this this group. It says a lot about their character and and their fight. So yesterday I, I was doing the TV for NBC and they wanted me to do my top three of 2023. And one of the things that I brought up and I wanted to run it past you <laughs> was hope. And what you saw with Medina yesterday, now that you've seen Boyle and you've seen Estes and Waldachuk has thrown the ball better, my God, J.P. Sears going to have 32 starts on the year. Mason Miller, I mean, just, you know, all these, you saw Freddie Tarnock, Kusick's throwing the ball well. 
there's arms that you didn't have last year at spring training. You just didn't know Paul Blackburn's probably going to be back. Just talk about from a pitching standpoint, the hope that you can have in the offseason heading to spring training is that the A's are going to have a fight next year for who's going to be starting games. Well, I, I think, you know, we can go back. Let's go back to April and talk about the rotation. You know, at the time, the expectation level was to leave spring training with a healthy Paul Blackburn, um, you know, and um, unfortunately that didn't happen. Um, you know, we left also Drew Rusinski um, without him as a, as a veteran pitcher. And we left camp with like five, five rookies basically. So to go from where we were in April to get to where we are now in September, there was a Forbes article, I think that was written today about the progress we've made and we're no longer last in pitching. If you remember Tony, in April, we had a seven and a half ERA, I think when the month was done. Yeah. So to go from there to get to where we're at now, I think it's a major accomplishment. And as you described the word hope, um, you know, we're looking at guys now that hopefully will leave, you know, start with us next year after a full season like J.P. Sears of 32 starts. Uh, Ken Waldachuk, who was a rookie uh, in the rotation at last year or this season in April, who had a really tough April and May. Look at the progress he's made. Um, you got to be excited about that. He starts tonight for us against the Angels for his last time. Um, you know, you you also look at uh, the additions of Estes and Boyle, who we got our eyes on, um, but they've got their feet wet. So it's like they're going to go in next year and 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 be wide-eyed, you know, bushy-tailed young guys. So, um, you know, is there hope? I, I think it's more than hope. And, uh, you know, my goal is to build confidence and a belief that we start out, you know, April uh, on a different note next year. Yeah, at one point we were thinking about dusting your old arm off and getting you in there this year early in the year. <laughs> <laughs> I know you talked about Langston and just right being on the show with that lefty. Bring I don't in know the if lefty. I had the career he had, but, um, you know, I do think back like, man, I wonder if I would have just went pitcher instead of hitter, how long I would have played. <laughs> well, I saw it. You used to come in from center field and blow it. It would have definitely been interesting. You know, the end-of-the-year speech to a player. Take us back. I guess it would have been Jim Leland for you. What is it like? How big is it to really have that connection, that last talk with a player? This is what we want to see you do this offseason. This is where we want to see you get better. Pump them up a little bit also just to get that player. It's the last time you're going to see him for a while. You're going to have the holidays and all of that. How big is that last connection with that player, how you experienced it and how you want to do it with these guys? Well, I think, you know, we're, we've started the process with exit meetings individual, individually, and, and it's a collection of, you know, the training staff, the strength coach. Um, we get an understanding of what their plans are, where they're going to be during the offseason. So it's it, even though it's a last topic, I stay in connection and communication with them all through the offseason to make sure they're working, doing the right things and going in the right direction, um, you know, to get prepared for next season. I'll share an intimate conversation uh, as much as I can um, to kind of describe what that last conversation is. It was, you know, Lawrence Butler was in here today. And Lawrence you know, has been here for a little while now. He's got over 100 plus at bats. Uh, the success um, that he's looking for, that we're looking for, you know, pure number wise, hasn't been there. Well, we went all the way back to when Lawrence was 
drafted by the A's. He was a high school kid. He was in Instructs. We talked about that moment being in Instructs. And he shared how difficult the jump was from playing high school baseball in Atlanta, Georgia, to, you know, facing now professionals in Arizona. And the comment that he made was, wow, they throw the ball really hard here. You know? <laughs> and this is, really, this is really challenging. Well, thus, five years later, Lawrence Butler's a big leaguer. And if he had at that time, you know, not put the work in and not recognize how hard it was in pro ball to have success out of high school, now he's a big leaguer and now he's realizing everything he accomplished for those five years to get here was hard work, right? But then he was at the top of his game to get to the big leagues. Well, now, wow, it's eye-opening again. And it's almost like going back to that first level of instructional league where he goes, man, this is really hard. Like, these guys are really good. Now, he's really good. The talent is there, right? But what's the separator? And the separator is the work you put in, you know, the, t- the determination to push yourself like you haven't been pushed before uh, to get that level of success that he's looking for. And that success that he's looking for is to have a 15-year major league career, to be an all-star, you know. And uh, and I think those conversations and that conversation with Lawrence, there is an understanding of now because he's been here and, and to a certain extent been humbled uh, what it really takes to, to be successful at this level. You know, everybody's thinking about whether it's head coaches or it's managers in baseball or in the other sports head coaches that – you know, the mad science with data and all this kind of things that you got to deal with. So much of your job comes to uh, comes to communications. You know, how do you commute with the how do you communicate with the players? How do you get to know the players, how the players are able to with you and your coaching staff? Just talk about that, because I know it means a lot to you. And we've seen that in your first two years as a manager. Yeah. You know, I think from this seat, managing it, it, it really starts with building the relationships, knowing the players, building the confidence, having the conversation, the, the real hard conversations like, you know, the, the, that that are uncomfortable um, because, you know, not everybody wants to be told, you know, that they're not good enough or what they need. They're not good at something. They need to be better at this um, and challenging them to accept that uh, and, and come back, you know, with the right mindset. So I think it's more stressful from the time I step in here at noon to game time. Now I'm judged and assessed by, by most people in the decisions I make in the game, but really like you're talking about um, the job is more than, more than just managing the game. It's, it's, you know, building a culture here that, that leads to success, um, you know, and understanding each individual and, and how you can motivate them or, if they need a pat on the back or if they need to be you know, uh, squared up in a conversation, um, you know, that's about truth. So, you know, I try to be as, a, as transparent as possible on a daily basis with these guys. And I try to connect with each and every one of them. There's 26 guys plus the IL guys, um, but it's, it's just nonstop. But that's, that's the mindset and the mentality that it takes, I think, to, to be successful. The process for you, now the season's going to be over. Obviously, you, you you got a lot on your mind, but you got to decompress. I know you're such a family guy. Take us through what happens with Mark Kotze once the season ends. 
Yeah, I think, you know, you you try to take a little bit of time to decompress and then also time to reflect on, you know, things that um, can impact next season, changes that can be made, um, you know, in, in all aspects uh, and, and just to self-evaluate, you know, um, and then start building a plan. And I think. Uh, it's it's very similar to what players do. Players take a couple of weeks to decompress and and then they start their training back up. I mean, each and every one of these guys in, that I've had exit meetings with plans on starting last week of October, first week of November. And uh, and that's the commitment they make. And it's a commitment we make as a staff, as coaches to, um, you know, obviously take some downtime, but start preparing for next year. Yeah, because as you mentioned, you, you you like to talk to everybody. How much do you interact with your staff in the off season? Um, we are, we interact um, frequently. You know, I'll check in. Uh, we start interacting a little bit more. Um, you know, post winter meetings when you know for the most part uh, a roster can be kind of aligned, kind of set, and uh, then we can start reaching out to players and just connecting with them, checking in on them from. And we'll always check in on the current roster, but you know if there's changes. Uh, to that roster, generally, you know, the additions to whether it's six year minor league free agents that are coming to spring training or whatnot that generally happens in or around, um, you know, that winter meeting timeline. So, um, you know, but if there's general thoughts to, you know, planning and, and getting their thoughts on vision uh, for spring training and, and, you know, the year uh, at any point, I, I generally will check in or bounce ideas off of, them, um, you know, starting on November on. Let's end on this. How much will you try and get in David's ear, David Force, the general manager, where you're like, hey, this guy's out there, or hey, I know this guy, and, you know, how often do you try and sneak in there? Because obviously it's it's a roster you got to deal with every day. How much do you try and have your influence on it? Are you trying to create a fight, or are you trying to ask? <laughs> no, he loves you. We already talk about you and David. He loves you. Um, you know, as, as much as David wants to listen and hear me, um, but you know, obviously he's got his team, his baseball ops works tirelessly. I mean, their season really starts October 2nd. Um, you know, they do put the roster together and starting October 2nd, they're going to look at at all aspects of our roster. And, and I'm sure they've already started compiling lists for, you know, free agents, six year free agents, you know, possible, you know, trade acquisitions to improve this roster. So uh, I know that that group um, works tirelessly uh, in the off season to, uh, to make improvements in all, in all facets. And, uh, but, you know, whenever I'm, I'm reached out to and, and uh, um, you know, been made available, um, you know, I will definitely, uh, you know, help in, in any, any way, shape or form I can. Are you going to be itching on Fridays? Like, God, something's missing in my life. What? What? Well, I just don't feel complete. Where in the back of your mind, it's like you should be on Ace Cast Live. You should be. On, are you going to be thinking that in the off season? I hope that I have an opportunity to play in the Friday golf game. Um, you know, more than I did last season, but I don't know if that's going to going to you know come to fruition or not. But um, yes, Tony, it's been a pleasure. You've been great. I, I really appreciate just the the easiness of of the conversation. And I hope, uh, I hope everyone on Ace Cast appreciates this time. And, you know, um, that if we can be better at it, uh, send Townie all of those requests. That's <laughs> how we can make this better. <laughs> well, let me tell you, it, it's, it, it, you've been so good to us and you're very flexible 
And, you, you know, you never know when you change managers what's going to happen. And it's, it was like the perfect fit for us and what you've done for us and really, you know, how honest you are. I think one of the great things about dealing with you on a weekly basis, you know, there, there's a lot of people out there who are in charge, who are afraid and they're insecure. That's not you. You take this thing head on and, yeah, there's been a lot of L's, but you, you're as honest as can be. And I really appreciate the strength that you have to be honest, because not everybody would do that. Oh, I appreciate it. Um, you know how much this organization and uh, means to me, the fans mean to me, and and I understand the the disappointment uh, of the last two seasons. I wear it on my chest. Um, you know when when maybe I'm not on camera or when maybe I'm not in front of the media. But um, you know, listen we're going to do everything we can to, to turn this thing around. I think there's talent in this room to do that. Um, you know, we have to be patient, uh, like I've talked about, but, um, I do see a future and, and I do see a bright future here. All right, buddy. Have a great off season. We'll catch up at some point. All right, Tony. Thanks again, man. That's the Mark Kotze show brought to you by Nest betting. Check out their location in the Bay area, or you go online to nestbedding.com. Love where you sleep. Leadership. That's what you need. He doesn't have a players yet. We know that. But he's not afraid to lead. He's not afraid to be honest. He's not afraid to self-evaluate. Not afraid to let the players know what they need to do. He has the ability to pat you on the back and kick you in the ass, too. You need a leader. It's going to be sad not talking to Kotze every Friday. It's going to be weird, but, you know. We'll talk to him still. Monday, we're on from noon to three. Wrap-up show. And then we're going to get into off-season mode while we're getting into playoff mode. But we'll do a wrap-up show, noon to three, and there's going to be some big-time guests. We just can't talk about it yet. How are we going to get to everybody, these big-time guests? Hopefully new A's Hall of Famers. Uh, Correct. And I mean big-time. You're going to want to hear from them. Yeah. Well, that's our show for today. you got like 30 seconds to Ace Total Access. All right, Ace Total Access coming up next. This is Chris Townsend and Commander Cody for Link Soul. you got to go to their website right now, linksoul.com. The new polos are unbelievable. New colors, lighter weight. We got our new summer shipment, Cody. I couldn't be happier. I look better, all thanks to Link Soul. So we're talking about new polos. You can check out their shorts. Anything you need for summer, they have it right now. When you go to their website, they've got a smoking summer deal. Go to linksoul.com. That's linksoul.com. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.